This episode is brought to you by Shapeshift.io, the easiest, fastest, and most secure way to swap your digital assets. Don't run the risk of leaving your funds on centralized exchange. Visit Shapeshift.io to get started today. Hello, everyone. Today's interview is with Nick Johnson, uh, and is part of these live interviews that I did at DevCon with various members of the Ethereum Foundation. And Nick is the head of the Ethereum Naming System, or ENS. And Nick is really quite perfect for the job because he's been kind of this Google community representative for years before he joined the Ethereum Foundation. So he can both A, synthesize these complex complex concepts and kind of produce them in a form that someone else can understand. And then also he's really good at kind of working with the community. And that's especially key with ENS because there's all these financial interests involved with buying and selling domain names. Um, so it was a fun conversation and we talked a little bit about um, some of the awesome work they're doing with kind of ENS's ability to kind of port DNS names into ENS um, by essentially these new cryptographic proofs in Metropolis where you can kind of prove all the layers of a DNS registration. Once you've done that, you can kind of get the name in ENS. So kind of ENS is kind of an automatic superset of DNS. So that's kind of awesome and beautiful. Um, and this is just a general pattern to keep in mind where ethereum and when you're in the ethereum space you can kind of check and prove cryptography and rsa cryptography outside ethereum um so the other thing that nick and i talk about which is fascinating is this kind of these trade-offs and governance um specifically around like uh these name squatters people who will buy names just to sell them later and we talked a lot about the mechanisms for governance and right now the mechanisms for governance are purely based on money um you know if you if you own a name then the only way that someone else can get it is by buying it from you um but nick talks about some other options um that might be on the table like voting and what have you so with that hope you enjoy the show Hello, everybody. We are here live at DevCon 3 uh, with Nick Johnson, the head of um, the ENS Registrar, which is a way to register domain names um, on the Ethereum ecosystem. But Nick, uh, thanks so much for being here. And could you actually dive in more deeply to what the ENS is as a thing and how it's kind of different than our classic domain name service that we have with things like GoDaddy? Sure. Um, ENS is, is first and foremost intended to be a naming service for Ethereum. So its primary goal isn't so much to replace every other naming system as to provide naming services on Ethereum where previously they didn't exist. So it focuses initially on, on providing names for uh, wallets and for contracts, uh, for swarm addresses, uh, Whisper public keys and so forth. Um, but it's perfectly capable of, of naming DNS resources and so on as well. Uh, we're really sort of focusing initially on, on building a platform that can uh, serve Ethereum as best as possible before worrying about, you know, taking over the world. <laughs> um, and uh, it's a decentralized system. It's built on top of Ethereum using smart contracts. Uh, it's got two main components, the registry, which is effectively a big telephone book of the owner of every name mm-hmm. or subdomain or sub-subdomain uh, and the resolver for it. And then the resolvers, and resolvers are, you know, anyone can write one and deploy one, and their job is to map from an, a name to a resource. Mm. So you ask the uh, registry, what is the resolver for nickjohnson.eth? And then it responds, and you ask that resolver, what is the address for nickjohnson.eth, or what is the public key, or what is his, you know, who is data? Got sort of it. Thing. Got it. Yeah, so you essentially, and like you say here, it is, it's decentralized, which is interesting. It's built through the smart contract system. Is it also 
something where like so compare and contrast it to like the domain names or it's like something like GoDaddy or whatever is this purely within the um, Ethereum like ecos like like if I have if I could I buy I could buy a domain name like you know Reese.eth um, that would be in like an IP address but that would be different than what you're talking about here is that right? Um, so so it is it's entirely separate in construction from DNS. Um, and the, the system itself uh, ha- operates a whole sort of tree of names, um, and then you can set up registrars under any uh, any name. And a registrar is just a contract that lets you issue subdomains. So there is a registrar on .eth, which is what most people think of as ENS, and that will give you any .eth name by uh, an auction process. Mm-hmm. And you can do that without being involved with GoDaddy or any other, you know, um, DNS domain registrar. Uh, it's an entirely autonomous process. It's uh, you know no humans involved and so forth. Um, and in the present interim registrar, as we call it, there's no dispute process. You know, the, once you get a name, it's yours. Um, independent of that, we we announced just a couple of days ago at DevCon um, that we're adding support for DNSSEC um, proofs. And the result of that is that anyone who has a DNS name on most of the TLDs, not quite all of them, but most of them, will be able to prove that they own that name inside Ethereum. And once they've proved it, they can claim the corresponding name in ENS. So it would be possible for you to claim, you know, myname.com or myname.io or .xyz inside ENS and then use it just like an ENS domain. So on the one hand, you have this decentralized system with .eth, um, which is uh, you know, entirely uh, absent the, the usual requirements of who is data and dispute resolution and so on. And on the other, you have access to the, the entire ICANN namespace. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. In theory, let's, let me, because I, I, I know very little about the domain name services thing, so let's dive into and make sure I understand that first before we go into the uh, overlap between those two systems. So when I think about like the IP, when I think about something like... Um, a, like if I want to get like Reese.com, thinking about like domain, a classic like domain name, I have to say, hey, I want Reese.com, and then I go through like ICANN, the International Consortium of something. Internet Company for Assigned Names and Numbers. <laughs> oh, yes, you know it. Um, um, and, and they essentially connect, they say, hey, when you go to this Reese.com, it connects you to like a given IP address. Is that mm-hmm. the right way to think about it? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And then so if if um, domain name services, a DNS is connecting a Reese.com to a um, an IP address, then ENS is connecting a, um, a is it all, a, a, essentially a .eth to a... Um, to an Ethereum address? Is that the right way to think about it? So both systems are a little broader than that Mm. in that uh, uh, IP addresses are the most common thing you resolve with a DNS name, but you can actually resolve a whole series of different records. Mm. So for instance, when you send an email, it resolves an MX record, which Mm. tells it where to send mail. Um, The mail also uses other um, profiles uh, called called RRs Mm -hmm. um, for describing things like spam policies and authentication and so on. Mm. Um, And the same is true with ENS. So you can't just, uh, it's not just one question you can ask it, which is, you know, what is the address? You can ask it many questions like, you know, what is the name or what is the uh, public key and so on. Yeah. 
ENS and DNS sort of exist in uh, overlapping namespaces. Okay. So in theory, you can have any any name in either of them. Mm-hmm. Um, when we first deployed ENS, we used only the .eth top-level domain because mm-hmm. we wanted to avoid colliding with uh, the public namespace. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, recently with the introduction of the DNSSEC stuff, you can now bring names over from one system to the other, okay. from DNS to yeah. ENS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the difference is that they're governed quite differently. So yeah. DNS, the global route, is governed by governed by IANA, mm-hmm. and all the top level domains, the country, uh, the non country code, the top level domains are governed by ICANN, yeah. and they have their dispute resolution process, and they delegate to registrars, and IANA delegates to different countries for their country code mm-hmm. top level domains, and so on. ENS, um, the route is governed by a multi-sig for now, um, okay. who, their job is mostly to do nothing. Um, and then the different domains are either, um, you know, in the case of .eth, it's governed by an autonomous system with no human involvement. In the case of the, the uh, top-level domains that correspond to internet ones, we'll be gradually, you know, adding support for mirroring them over, and that's again mm-hmm. an autonomous system that effectively respects the decisions of the DNS system. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, and so, so I'm still trying to break down these two different systems. So as you said, it wasn't just that um, for DNS, it's not just hey, reese.com, it points to an IP address. You can make any kind of human-readable thing point to any kind of computer readable whatever it's like hey if you're dealing with these primitives in an email ecosystem you can have different text essentially different strings point to different um, parts of this email subsystem yeah. and then with ENS like you said as well it's not it's definitely not just for .eth names that was the one that you guys started with tell me and so I'm still trying to break it down to so tell me again the um, so these two systems the way that they overlap I guess that um, like right now I could go on to a DNS um, thing and say, hey, I want to buy reese.eth, not reese.com. That could all go through ICANN's system, that could go through GoDaddy, whatever, from a DNS perspective. In theory, yeah. but in practice, ICANN hasn't allocated .eth to anyone. Uh, so there is no .eth, and that's you know, part of the re- reason we chose it, of course. Interesting. Um, Great. But yep. the system itself is capable of registering any top-level domain, just like ENS is capable of any top-level domain. Got it. And so from a technical perspective, from a you know, organizational perspective, we b- both try and avoid stepping on each other's toes. Yep. Obviously, ICANN is the 100-pound gorilla here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and we're the, you know, the mouse. Uh-huh. And so by top-level domain, you mean the dot blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Is that right? Okay, yep. sweet. So yeah, it's interesting. As you said, I couldn't get reese.eth right now through DNS. Yes. Um, I could only get through ENS. And um, so that makes sense. So right now, so you guys essentially took part of the, the thing that they weren't doing, the .eth, and said, hey, we're going to sell these .eth domains, um, and we're going to, we're not, gonna, not you guys are going to sell them, but you're rather going to create a decentralized marketplace such that people can um, can, can register them, rather. Um, not really a marketplace, but rather a registration system. But the, the broader system there is that um, first we built a, a, another way of registering names in general. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we chose to use .eth as the only top-level domain that we'd make available initially because we wanted to avoid collision. Yep. But it's actually, it's an entirely sort of parallel system to DNS yeah. that can resolve names entirely independently of it. And it has, you know, different goal, different but overlapping goals from DNS. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's interesting. So let's say that DNS, um, or so that someone like ICANN or what have you, did add the top-level domain for .eth eventually. Mm-hmm. And let's say I purchased .reese.eth through ENS. Yep. Um, 
what would be I could then it sounds like I could also purchase Reese.eth through uh, the DNS system and how would I why would I do that what would be the well, overlap there or, or worse somebody else could purchase yeah. Reese.eth yes, 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 um, yes and then anyone who visits uh, anyone who types that name into, say, a web browser that expects mm-hmm. DNS names would get the DNS name. Mm-hmm. And anyone who types it into a wallet would get owned by that other person. And anyone who types it into a wallet would get the ENS resolution yeah. owned by you. Yeah, and that would be horribly confusing, which yes. is why we've been doing our best to avoid you know, that sort of collision. Mm-hmm. Um, we recently presented, or rather one of our volunteers, Leonard Tan, presented to the ICANN meeting in Abu Dhabi a few days ago. Great. And... Um, you know, he told told them about ENS and how we're operating and so on, and they've sort of. So I guess you could say they've taken official notice at this yes, point yeah, to us, yeah. and so hopefully that will mean that you know better cooperation going forward, and that there's a much lower probability that you know they're going to go off and allocate .eth mm-hmm. to to anyone else. You know, mm-hmm. while we while we're not looking. Yeah, yeah. So I want to, before we, because I think this is fascinating, before we go a click deeper on these things, I want to say, this stuff is kind of surprisingly large when you think about, I mean, there are, you know, dot .google, I think, you know, was mm-hmm. went live about a year ago or something, and Google, it was tens of millions of dollars they purchased of these names, and some of the top names here, the ones that are less than four characters or, you know, five characters long, you know, there were hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so by you guys creating this, I don't know if you aggregated, do you know if you aggregated all of the domain names, how much money exists um, within the DNS system? I, it would be very hard to say yeah. because um, origi- the original top-level domains, .com, .net, and .org, yeah. didn't have any sort of pre-reservation or auction system mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So everyone who bought them originally just paid the base registration yeah. fee. Yeah. Um, so if you measure it in terms of that, you could just take the number of domains and multiply it by the registration yeah. fee. But of course, Don't domains get sold yeah. on a secondary market. Yeah. How do you how do you figure the value of doc, of Google dot com? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's worth an immense amount to Google. Clearly, yes, um, it would be probably worth a lot less to somebody else, yeah. uh, except some people who might want to use it to scam and spam people. In yeah. which case, they might make quite a nice penny off it. Yeah. So it's very very hard to assess, you know, what the global DNA system is is worth or what that means. I think. Yeah. So that makes so. In any case, we're dealing with some some large numbers here, likely. So going back to ENS and saying, okay. You guys have these two different systems here. Is the goal to, um, I guess, I guess. So, how do you see um, the, these two systems kind of interoperating as we go forward here? You know, let's say with like Reese.eth as a as an example here. Do you think it's going to be a thing where, like, a bifurcation where you guys have certain domains within, like, certain like token or crypto economic specific domains within ENS, and then you know other like you know, normal domains within DNS? Like, how do you see this kind of going over time? What happens when they start to overlap? Yeah. Um, I, I think that in the short term, um, we'll have .eth as, as purely on ENS. So it won't be internet resolvable unless you have some form of plugin or alternate route for DNS and so on. Um, so most people will not see it as a DNS name that they can type into their ordinary unaugmented web browser. Um, and... ENS will add, you know, already is adding support for uh, letting people claim their DNS names on ENS. So you'll be able to use all of those in in your wallet and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, and so the the interaction on that will be mostly a case of, of Ethereum of ENS pulling in yeah. names for people to use. Yeah. Um, 
In the longer term, I'm optimistic that we could come to some form of arrangement if I can that would get either .eth or another top-level domain in the global route mm-hmm. um, under you know rules that are sort of compatible with the crypto community, mm-hmm. um, and that uh, you know that then basically everything that's resolvable on ENS would be resolvable on DNS as well, yep. which would be nice. But given that we now have the ability to pull in DNS names, um, I would. I think I would probably rather that ETH remained, .eth remained um, only resolvable through ENS than that it became globally resolvable but had to adhere to the same set of rules as, mm. as other ICANN top-level domains as they stand right now. And I mean, this, this I can't, can't guarantee how things will go forward in the future, but we have a plethora of, you know, thousand plus top-level domains for people to choose from that that fit the ICANN model yeah. um, and that can now be imported into ENS to use there as well. Yeah. And I don't think we'd gain much by, you know, by trying to cram .eth into that perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's good to provide an alternative to people who want to build a crypto-centric application yeah. that, that adheres to our own, you know, homegrown rules and yeah. ones that we've built with consensus of the community yeah. to, to be suitable for our blockchain specifically. Yeah. Um, but it's possible that we'll come to some arrangement with ICANN or IANA and, and that it will be exposed in DNS as well in the future. It's, it remains to be seen. That's long term. Uh, the, the earliest is likely to be sort of 2020 yeah. when, when ICANN considers a new round of TLDs. Got it, got it. Interesting. So yeah, I think that's in, as you said, so it might be the case that there could be kind of like a DNS wrapper on top of ENS in a way such that they yeah. then point to ENS specific domains. And so that's one side of things that might happen in 2020 when they, they give a reevaluation of these top-level domains, aka the TLDs. Yep. Um, and going though to this this move that you guys made recently around bringing in um, the, the allowing ENS to to kind of pull in DNS names, could you talk? Um, could you ex- like explain that one more time and kind of like how it works? I guess. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, if you have a, if you own a DNS name, that basically means you have the right to set DNS records for that name, which is you know a records to pointed IP addresses and, and all the other sorts. Um, and one of the things that DNS now supports is called DNSSEC, DNS security. Um, and the way that works is that you can now sign the records on your domain with a private key, and then you can publish the public key, and that proves that you you know authored these these DNS records and its intention is that when you're in surfing you know in Starbucks or something on open Wi-Fi and you look up google.com you can get back signed records that tell you yes this really was from google.com and not from the guy sitting in the t- at the table behind you who wants uh-huh. to steal all your credentials yeah um, so the way this works is with a chain of trust you have the root key which is is owned by um, ICANN I, I'm pretty sure it's owned by ICANN now um, and they, uh, it's divided up into key shares and, and they publish the, the root key periodically and update it. And um, that root key is then used to sign the keys for each of the top level domains. So .com, .net, .org, .xyz and mm-hmm. so on. Actually what it signs is a hash of those keys. Okay. Um, so you start with the root key and then you get the hash of one, of, or somebody claims this is the hash of .xyz mm-hmm. and you can use the um, 
the signature on that, it would be signed with the root key, you can then verify that and say, yes, that's accurate. Cool. And then somebody says, okay, here's the key for XYZ, mm-hmm. and you can hash that and compare it to the hash you already proved, and if that's correct, then you know you've got that. And then they go, okay, here's the hash for the key for flab.xyz, yep. and then you can verify that against, you know, that was signed with .xyz and so on. Okay. And so the way it works in practice is you buy a domain, you set up signing and you set up keys and so on, and then you give a copy of the, the hashes of your keys to your registrar, like Gandhi or GoDaddy or, or um, SimpleDNS, and they insert that record into the the, root, uh, the top-level domain that you're okay. using, yep. um, and it, they sign it so that it can be proven. Okay. And what you end up with is a chain of trust all the way from the root, which is the master key for the whole internet, basically, yep. all the I way can, down to I your... Exactly, all the way down to your domain. Um, and so... The way it works with ENS is you publish a record, a text record, saying uh, my effectively my Ethereum address is this, mm-hmm. um, and you sign that just like everything else. Yep. And then you go to this DNSSEC oracle we have on on Ethereum, yep. and you send it proofs of all of these things. So if it doesn't know, yet know about you know the .xyz key, you send it proof of the .xyz key. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't yet know about .xyz, you send it proof of that. Mm-hmm. And then finally, you send it proof of your text record. So now you have a cryptographically proven um, DNS record that's stored in Ethereum. And it knows yep. it's accurate because it's followed the chain of trust all the way to the root. Yeah. And then finally, you go to the this new um, DNS registrar and you say, I assert that I own this address owns ethlab.xyz. And it goes and consults the Oracle and says, is there a text record for that? Looks it up, passes it, determines that it's equal to your address. Mm-hmm. And if it is, then it gives you ownership of flab.xyz in ENS okay. and so now you've got full control of that in the ENS system mm-hmm. as well and you can mm-hmm. do anything you want with mm-hmm. it got it yep so yeah as you said there's this web of the, this chain of trust that starts with ICANN like the global root node essentially there um, and they have their key that says hey these things are trusted and that goes down to the registrar level or to the top level domain level as well and then eventually to you as a person that says hey I own this thing and essentially if you can prove all those steps in ENS land then uh, you can essentially get that DNS uh, top level or that DNS domain within ENS yes Is that exactly. all right? okay so yeah. So, um... This episode is brought to you by Shapeshift.io, the world's leading trustless digital asset exchange. Quickly swap between dozens of cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ether, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, Augur, Golem, and many more. And this is not your typical crypto exchange. You don't need to create an account or share your personal information, and your funds are never stored on Shapeshift. This means that your hard-earned digital wealth is never up for grabs by hackers or other malicious actors. To get started, visit shapeshift.io, choose the tokens you'd like to swap, input your receiving address, and send your funds. It's that easy. So that makes sense as a, as a concept, and um, and actually Nick and I were just talking about um, they have a big Gitter channel that you should come and join to talk about ENS stuff, and we we're talking about maybe some debate. I don't and I, I don't understand exactly what's happening here um, around maybe some recent debate around what this decision and, and what it feels like. So tell me a little bit about like what both sides of the debate are, like why people might be um, unhappy with this. Yeah. So there's there's a couple of issues that this has brought up. One is that um, by making all of these um, names available that are governed by the ICANN process and by the IETF and so on, um, a lot of people are 
um, you know, a lot of people in the crypto community are skeptical of centralized control and so on, and understandably, we're building a distributed ecosystem. Um, And there is, although DNS is a distributed system, there is a degree of centralized control because, um, you know, IANA hands out, you know, and and I can hand out, you know, top-level domains to registrars who hand out domains to, you know, and they have all these appeals policies and so on. And the whole thing is is under human control rather than than autonomous control. Yep, yep. and so some people feel that by introducing access to these inside ENS, we're sort of shifting over to, mm. you know, to that model. Yep. Um, personally, I disagree because we're maintaining .eth and, you know, I believe it has useful, unique properties yep. that um, maybe, you know, other TLDs don't mm-hmm. and that I would like to see it continue to evolve. Like in the same talk, I, I, I talked about ENS now, which lets you claim a, an ENS, a .eth subdomain instantly for to name your wallet. Yep. And that's a far quicker and an easier process than going through the whole DNS foo-for-ra. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's real value remains in .eth. Yep. And I think that if those people are right, that, that you know, the the DNS uh, hierarchy is, is broken because of its centralized administration, yep. then that will be borne out by, you know, lack of use of those and a substantial use of .eth. So yep. I would rather see that evolve in its own way. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big debate that's co- that comes up, and I expected it, is that um, a lot of people bought .eth names as a speculative investment, yep. anticipating that other people would want them more and be prepared to pay more money for them. Yep. Um, and that now that you can access your DNS names, there's perhaps less market for the, mm-hmm. the ENS names. So yep. for instance, you know, somebody bought up Hitachi.eth Yep. anticipating that if Hitachi wanted a presence on the blockchain, they would have to buy the .eth. Yeah. Now they can have Hitachi.com, so maybe they don't care so much. Yep. Um, and my perspective on that is that uh, we never built ENS intending it to be an investment platform. Mm-hmm. If people want to try and use it as an investment platform, fine. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, we, the, if the, the game theory permits that, then, then people are going to do that. Um, but I don't think we have an obligation to preserve its value as an investment platform at the expense of its usefulness yep. for what it was built for, which yep. was better naming. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, you have, um, and especially, I mean, yeah, the first level is kind of like the philosophical, like, hey, what about bad decent or bad centralization? You know, and I, and I, and I think I agree with you to say that, hey, the whole goal with decentralization is to purely provide um, an exit, if you want, like from the voice and, you know, uh, exit voice and loyalty. Um, uh, no. Uh, it's, just, it's just this concept of just like, you can either choose this or it's not that complicated. It's just, you can either, within a given system, you can either express voice within that system. So if you're within a centralized system, you can express voice within it, or you can exit that system to maybe a decentralized system. And what is beautiful about the blockchain community and all these things is we can now say, hey, there are two subsystems that are happening in parallel with each other. You can either choose to express voice within either system, or if you don't like that system, you can exit to the other system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a great thing that you guys have done. And um, like you're saying, hey, if it turns out that the ENS system is better in various ways, people will use it in those ways. And if it turns out that the DNS system is better in various ways, you can use it in those ways. But it's kind of not for you to decide what should happen. It's for the market to decide what they want to do. Exactly. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then maybe to the second point there, I guess the one thing I might push back on is, because I agree with you that your, your goal wasn't to make a speculative trading platform or whatever. Um, it was to do that first, the first point that we talked about. Did you, like, I guess one thing here is like, how, 
was were these things like on the roadmap or what have you like back in the day to know like hey we're going to be porting in all the dns names into ens or like that might be one place where I'd be like, oh, maybe I do feel kind of bad for the speculators, you know. It, it didn't even occur to me back when we first started building ENS that this was going to be a plausible possibility. Yeah. Um, like Byzantium was, you know, called Metropolis at the time. It was on the horizon. It was possible it would involve, it would include support for RSA signature verification. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I could have foreseen the possibility to do this, but mm-hmm. it was a long way off and it, it yeah. honestly didn't occur to me as a, a necessary or a desirable integration at that point. Yeah. It was only fairly recently with Byzantium being solidified and um, you know the possibility for this. It was a bit of a, a sudden realization fairly recently. Yeah. Hey, we can actually prove all of this. Yeah. And I'm I'm not going to you know fail to build a, an elegant technical solution because I'm afraid of the consequences. Yeah. Or at least I hope not. You know. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think it's a really cool thing that we can actually um, trustlessly prove DNS records on the blockchain. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think like what you're saying here, it's like, it's, I mean, and, and with all of these, and everybody talks about this, like all these things are experiments, you know, and, and, and you guys, I think, have done a good job by actively saying, hey, we're not going to sell some of the less than seven character domains, you know, because we want, this is a whole new thing. We don't know exactly what the roadmap looks like. We're going to try to keep it. Are are the, are, is it still the case that less than seven character domains haven't been sold yet? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So I think things like that make a lot of sense. So you're saying, Hey, if you are a speculator, we're still trying to keep the most high impact things until it's more of a solidified system. Exactly, and we didn't want, um, we, we wanted to release those names when we were fairly sure that the people who would want to use them were watching. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't want a whole bunch of people to have to uh, buy them in the secondary market uh, mm-hmm. simply because they weren't aware of their existence until too late. Yeah. You know, we wanted a fair auction yep. um, for the name when it became available. Yep, that makes sense. So I guess maybe in kind of pseudo wrap-up mode here, um, first at a, like, so what do you think about, I mean, because part of this whole, this the, the names are just such an important part, of, and names and the ability to frictionlessly get to the information you want, you know, to buy the three character names or whatever is a surprisingly, um, there's a lot of money in these <laughs> things. How do you think about, like, the squatters and the speculation and, like, for you as a person who's building the underlying infrastructure here? Yeah, tell me a little bit more about how you think about the kind of financial side of things and the speculation side of things. And, and just as a note here, like there's a new um, this uh, District OX. They're making these is a, is a decentralized peer-to-peer marketplace platform built on Ethereum. Their second district that they release is called Name Bazaar, which is a decentralized way to a decentralized marketplace for ENS names that actually Nick audited for them, uh, which is sweet. Um, and so this is a good example of that, where there's this marketplace that's already come up for these names. How do you think about those, as, especially as like the builder of the underlying infrastructure? So I, um, I'm somewhat skeptical of squatting, in that, <laughs> um, especially squatting of, of trademarked names and so on, mm-hmm. but, but more or less in general. Um, because I don't think they add a lot of value to the system. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they exert a, a dead weight loss in mm-hmm. economic terms yep. by making a profit but not, not adding anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm a little skeptical of um, markets, secondary markets, because they, they have the potential to make squatting more profitable. Mm-hmm. But it's not a black and white thing because 
there are like well I think it, it is pretty black and white if you register Microsoft.eth mm-hmm. you've only got one customer yeah. and you're effectively extorting them yeah. I mean it's strong words yeah. but you're saying you know give me money or you won't be able to use this thing you know and I've got no other plausible use for it myself yeah. on the other hand if you register blockchain.eth or wallet.eth or you know any number of useful mm. generic words mm. then I don't think anyone else has a more legitimate right to it than you and you know if you paid more for it than every, anyone else and you were right that later somebody else will want it more than you then I think you're perfectly free to resell it for yeah. that you know that there's no um, there's no if we, if we tried to build a meritocracy around it, you would you would have to try and assess like which of these two business ideas is a more viable use yeah. of blockchain.eth, and that just seemed that way madness lies, you know. Yeah. So I think secondary markets have uses, even though I'm uh, a little skeptical of their. Um, not so much skeptical. I'm concerned about their potential to encourage unwanted behaviour. Yep. Um, I also want all of the architecture built on top of ENS to be as robust and, and well written as possible. Yep. Um, and I really like the District OX guys, and, and so that's why I ordered their system, because I want it to be well built. I think it does have positive uses, yep. um, and and I wanted to help them build the best system they could. Yep. Yeah, I think that this, I think that, that that gradient that you just said there is a, is a great way to think about this, which is if there's really just one customer for a thing, you're kind of, in, in strong words, extorting, or you're being profit-driven, say, hey, I got this domain name before you did, haha, and now you have to pay me lots of money for it. Um, and then these things that are further along in grading where it's like, oh, if your name is blockchain, if it's like super DC, you know, super, if your name is the.eth, you know, like that's pretty, it could be for anybody. Um, and so I think in right now, our main governance mechanism is, for this is money, is, is primarily money-based. Do you see, by the way, and so, so when I think about this, I think about like, I guess there's two ways to go. One is like different governance mechanisms to determine where domain names go. But like you're saying, that could be a fraught territory. Um, are there going to be new kinds of, like I know Blockstack has a, you know, a, a name registrar for, for their system. You know, we're starting to see some of these new, like is that maybe part of this? Is like ENS just the, the start of decentralized naming systems? And like how will there be this big ecosystem of decentralized naming platforms and you kind of choose which one to go to at a given time or like how do you see this kind of um, maybe the universes of, of these different naming systems so so I should first disclaim that ENS definitely wasn't the first yes, yes, um, yes. you know Namecoin I think came first and there's yep. others like Blockstack and so on have got a head start on us yep um, I, and I think it's useful to divide uh, you're right there's this big overlapping group of um of decentralized naming services. I think it's useful to divide uh, their goals up in terms of whether they're seeking to be a native naming service for the mm-hmm. platform they're on, mm-hmm. or whether they're seeking to be a global naming service. Um, and ENS's goal is to start off at least as a native naming service mm-hmm. because nothing was naming Ethereum resources effectively. And my prime goal was to improve usability so that people didn't have to type you know, big long OX addresses yeah. in. So, you know, I would be delighted if, you know, a year from now at DEFCON 4, nobody was, was having to do that. Yeah. Um, it's a, so, so the other category is global systems and things like name coins basically seek to dethrone DNS, you yeah. know, to, to replace it entirely, which I think is a, a, a noble goal. And I think um, DNS is, is definitely going to end up integrating blockchain components one way or another. Yeah. But it's also orders of magnitude harder. Yeah. Um, you know, they are... They're, facing a real uphill battle to, yeah. to reform or change DNS like that. Um, 
So, and, and they've got several competitors in, in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess you'll, you'll see specialised systems like ENS uh, building up and then potentially taking on more general responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And you'll see generalised systems like Blockstack and, and Namecoin attempting to sort of colonise the old world, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how it's going to play out. Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting. And, and I might I might change the words away from colonise the old world to create exit invoice within the old world. Fair enough. Say, yeah, yeah, just to marketize it, essentially. So maybe in the future we'll have a this brilliant market of all these different naming services and you can choose among all the naming services with their different governance systems. Some of them are money-based, some of them are weirdly governance voting-based. Who knows? Yeah, That sounds like a good world to me and I <laughs> hope we end up with that rather than everybody like, you know, overlapping on the same namespace. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope we can sort of agree not to step on each other's toes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That would be the goal. Um, well, any other, Nick, this has been fun to kind of dive into ENS, and I, I didn't know we had to start from the very beginning. I was like, what even is DNS, and how does ENS work? So it's, um, thank you for explaining these things in such a good way. Is there any other thoughts on the top of your mind? Is like, you know, things that are coming up in the next year, or any, any final like, non-sequiturs, or anything that you'd like to say in these final moments? Um, I mean, I guess I, I announced that we're going to be forming a, I've called it the ENS Foundation. It may mm-hmm. not be a foundation, but it'll be some form of non-profit. Yep. Um, and I'm, so I'm really looking forward to sort of putting things into high gear and, and being able to dedicate, you know, really most of my efforts to this. Yep. Um, and, and expanding things and, and expanding client support and so on. Um, I'm also, I think there are some exciting potentials that we haven't even started exploring yet. Uh, mm-hmm. For instance, um, and this blew my mind when I realized it, um, you've got the the existing SSL certificate hierarchy. Yeah. It also relies on a, a central issuer for, for keys, you know, yeah. uh, well, several issuers, and then browsers choose which ones to trust, and then they can issue certificates to different different people. With blockchain-based naming, you can actually do away with that. You can have, uh, I could have, you know, myname.eth or myname.xyz. Um, I could generate an SSL certificate, sign it myself, and then publish it to the blockchain with some proof that that is the, that I really own that myname.eth or myname.xyz. And then anyone who goes to that site with the right blockchain support could look that up and verify that it's me mm. and uh, I establish a secure channel with my website mm. without ever having to rely on a central signer. So mm. if you take if you take that in the .eth example, you've just issued a domain without having a central authority that you know other than a smart contract, and then you've established a, a um, secure channel with my site without having to rely on a, a signing hierarchy or anything. Yeah. So there's effectively nobody can can stand in the middle and, and rewrite things or, or issue duplicate certificates to the NSA or, or what have you. Yeah. And that seems like an incredibly cool opportunity to, yeah. to like not just evolutionarily change it, but actually completely revolutionize how we look at website security, for instance. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, so um, uh, the ENS Foundation, whatever that looks like, nonprofit or otherwise, is coming up. It'll be exciting to see that happen. Nick really is, I mean, he's in the Gitter community very, as far as I can tell, um, into the trying to build this in a bottom-up, decentralized way with, with community people here, getting the client support of all these various different clients. And then, as you say here, that final piece of like being able to have not only decentralized uh, name issuance, but decentralized SSL uh, issuance is going to be part of this cool future too. Um, and with that, Nick, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being here. Um, and yeah, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Yeah, sweet. Thank you and goodbye, everybody.
Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you have any feedback, please tweet at me at Reese Lindmark. That's R-H-Y-S-L-I-N-D-M-A-R-K at Reese Lindmark on Twitter. If you have any feedback, that'd be awesome. Or if you want to sign up for the newsletter, follow me on Twitter or support me on Patreon. I have about 25 patrons supporting me and uh, it's how I make my money. So you can support me at patreon.com slash R-H-Y-S-L-I-N-D-M-A-R-K. Thanks so much and bye.